Entrepreneurship is amazing for creating new stuff and getting things started, but it is really when you combine it then with the muscles and the unfair advances of the corporate that you can then really move to scale. Right? I mean, it's just like playing soccer. Right? Sure. It's not enough to sit at home and watch the Champions League. You also need to be out there on the field and do all the hard work and actually trying by doing and seeing what works and what does not work. Be honest with yourself, right? Don't start building a venture that you don't generally believe in because you need to have your heart and soul in it to be able to do it 24-7. Welcome to the Change Officer, Karsten. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Thank you for taking the time. I know that you're not based in Dubai yet. Maybe you are going to be uh, soon, but let's see. Uh, but I'm really, really, really humbled and happy that you are with me in the studio. And it's great to be with you. I heard so many good things about you and the podcast. Oh, that's that's nice to hear. Um, there is more topics that I want to discuss with you that we have time. So we're going to keep it focused as much as uh, uh, possible, humanly for me, <laughs> to, to keep it possible. In, in, in this show, we explore the concept of the change. Um, and what we are kind of trying to uncover and unpack is that if we can understand what is the change uh, ahead of us, um, we will be able to act and adjust in a way to take the opportunity of, of that change in the future. Now, when you started rainmaking back in 2006-7, what was the change that you saw is going to take place uh, that you decided to act upon and then start rainmaking? It's a super good question. So I think it was actually very much driven from an internal change, right? Uh, so it was a search for more happiness in life, uh, to be honest. Uh, and we were four people coming to together who thought about how can we actually create a life where we are more happy? And then we thought that there are many components to that. Uh, but one of them would definitely be uh, our business life. Um, and at that point of time, startups and innovation was not very uh, normal. It was not uh, like there was a ton of conferences and information to, to be found. But we thought that there was a way to maybe combine the best of the corporate world, the best of the startup world, and then the best of uh, the consulting world. And then create a new model for how to create innovation by uh, basically creating a startup studio where we created many startups but where our role was to focus on the process. So the first 12, 18 months, rather than sitting in a basement and uh, doing one startup uh, for 15 years, which was more than norm at that point of time. But at the time, that kind of a model was not even called venture building, right? You, no. you, you called it startup studio, right? Yeah. Um, and the amount of information that you could gather online or anywhere else was very limited. How did you educate yourself at the time? So the good thing was that two of uh, us, uh, of the four founders already had some startup experience. Uh, so, so that was good. Uh, but otherwise, we had to just talk to proven entrepreneurs and try to learn from them. Uh, and the, the problem for me, who was a wannabe entrepreneur, was that I did not even know what I didn't know. Mm. So I didn't know what to search for, right? Uh, so a lot of it came down to trying and learning by doing. Um, and then, of course, uh, even at that point of time, in the old, old days, you could search something uh, online. Uh, and then we started going to some uh, startup conferences that started to come up at that point of time uh, to get exposure to other entrepreneurs, talking to some angel investors, learning from them. Mm. Uh, but it was 
honestly very different compared to starting a business today where even when you come out of university you might already have taken a lot of courses in entrepreneurship you might have been part of it multiple hackathons you might even have started your own business so i see the young people coming out today are being much much more prepared than uh, that at least i was at that point of time with a bigger competition as well completely it is so different i mean even just in the last five or seven years it is not even comparable. It's crazy. No, absolutely. How did the rainmaking evolve over the years and what uh, what were some of the biggest learning for you? So Rainmaking 2007, that was a startup studio. You were working on internal startup and startups and spinning them off to our rainmaking today, globally present corporate venture building studio. Yeah, so our perspective on venture building has basically gone through three phases. Right, so we started out building our own startups where we basically ourselves came up with the ideas. We put some of our own money into it. We went out and assembled a team, tested something in the market. And we, if it worked, then we raised external capital. If it didn't work, we closed it down. So that was the first phase. And that is what we did in the first uh, several years. The second phase was basically moving into the accelerator space. So helping other startups. So we played suddenly a very different role where we were more coaching and facilitating other startups to succeed. So maybe you wouldn't call that venture building, mm -hmm. but it's, a, but it's a, a, a kind of venture building. And then in the last four or five years, we have then moved to our third phase, and that is where we are building venture, ventures together with corporates. Mm. So that's a very different approach. Very different approach. And one of the, the, the marketing videos that you have on the, on the website, you're taking the best out of both worlds startup approach, a very lean and, and agile approach to, to building businesses, and then the corporate strengths of, of resources, knowledge, experience, and expertise. Um, by Wikipedia, um, Rainmaker is defined as a person who brings in new business and wins new accounts almost by magic. <laughs> <laughs> so w what is one thing that you do differently in venture building space uh, that brought you success? What would be the, your magic formula? So in our model we are using today, where we are building ventures together with corporates, uh, that started out in a consulting model, actually, where we worked with one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. Um, and that was not a good idea. <laughs> right, because it was a single venture. We were basically consultants and we were using the uh, half of the team was employees from the corporate and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there was a ton of mistake we learned from that. And I think what we have learned by doing more uh, ventures together with corporates over the years uh, are three things that we really believe are important. Right. So one is that you always need to do it as a portfolio because uh, this is inherently very risky. Uh, and therefore, if you only build one venture, the chances of success does not make sense. That is very interesting. Just to, to unpack it for the audience, when you say you should do it only as a portfolio, you are referring to what exactly? Building ventures as a portfolio, right? So you should do multiple ventures. With one time. corporate, with one. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. And so it depends on what is the perspective. But if you look at it from the corporate perspective, then our uh, strong advice is that you should always look at venture building as a portfolio activity. Right. So you, you should aim to build at least 10 ventures over a number of years. Because if you go into it only with the aim to build one venture and see how it goes, right? what are the chances of success? Right, We all know that from the startup world. I, I, I assume chances are slightly higher than when you're just starting you know, a startup out there on your own. But still, the uh, same formula applies only one in 
10, 20 really succeed, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, our experience so far is definitely you have a higher hit rate because mm. you have the opportunity to leverage the unfair advances of the corporate but it is still not uh, 100%, right? Uh, Absolutely. I think we are trying to aim for around 25%. Um, so what is the uh, uh, number that you're usually aiming for? Did you say 10 startups in, in a period of how long? Yeah, so so our recommendation when we work with corporates is that they should aim for at least 10 over a period of three to five years. Oh, all right. What's a commonly held belief by other venture builders out there and there is an increasing number of them including me <laughs> so what's a commonly held belief of other venture builders about venture building that you passionately disagree with so now at days there are so many new venture builders coming up but the ones that we are competing mostly against are the big guys mm -hmm. right so uh, you probably know that i should probably maybe shouldn't mention them sure. um and um what we think that they get completely wrong is that they're coming in and doing this uh, as a uh, typical consulting approach and and there are a couple of reasons why we think that is uh, totally wrong uh, and the first one is that they basically have an interest to make the uh, venture building process as long as complicated as possible because it means that they need more resources which means that they can earn more fees Right, so it means that you have completely misaligned incentives with the corporates because the corporate basically wants successful projects and wants to invest as little as possible, whereas the uh, venture builder who's coming with a consulting approach, they actually have no interest in killing projects. Mm. They want it to be as long and complicated as possible. And the second issue about that is that we don't believe that they can attract the right talent uh, to then do venture building. So it ends up being uh, typical consulting profiles and uh, theorists who are super clever and very analytical who do venture building and ending up doing a lot of PowerPoints instead of actually going out and building stuff. That's very interesting. And uh, I can see where is that coming from. Um, what should they do instead? So the corporates? The venture builders. The venture builders. The yeah. venture builders. So in our opinion, venture building uh, together with corporates should be done exactly in the same way as you build startups in the wild. It, you should apply the same logic. So you should be super nimble. All the money should go to uh, people who are working on below market salary and instead uh, getting an equity upside. Because that is the way to attract the right talent and also making sure that they have the right incentive. And you also then create the aligned incentives between the people who are actually doing the venture and the corporate which makes sense you are not in it for the short run and short gain of, of a consulting gig you're in it for the long um long haul long win where you are aligned with the corporate where both of the sides are getting the monetization part of, uh, out of the success of a startup right why is that do you believe it's not happening enough out there and like if if it doesn't why do you think that's the case yeah, so there are a couple of reasons. Uh, so if you look at it, uh, a lot of the big venture builders, so their business model is to earn fees, right? It is what their partners are incentivized about. That is uh, why they are getting the big bonuses. So it is in their interest to continue the uh, fee model. Um, and, and I understand why, because they're earning a shit ton of money doing <laughs> it that way, right? So, so I really understand it. And if you look at it at the individual level, then it is super comfortable 
being able to do something as fun as venture building and earning a fat salary, mm. right? It is super nice, but it just gives the wrong incentive because if you're coming into office every day and you are already paid a super nice salary, you just don't have that hunger. I see. And you just make decisions in a different way because then you can uh, basically, okay, how many people would we like to have on this project? Wouldn't it be nice to bring in this uh, expert? Wouldn't it be nice to do this and this? So you start suddenly building a venture in a nice-to-have way rather in a need-to-have way. So it completely changes your perspective uh, and the way you approach risk, the way you approach pivots, etc., etc. So I'm just seeing it becomes the wrong talent, things take too much long time, and you don't kill things fast enough. So you mentioned another very important aspect of venture building, uh, especially with corporates, which is uh, talent. Um, and you said doing it like as as most of the venture builders are doing is not allowing you to attract the right talent and and i would agree there is one individual uh, that is extremely important for the whole venture building model that is a founder or is it called founder in residence or founder 2.0 how do you go out there and attract such talent it's a super good question so we do think the founder team, not just the founder, but the founder team is critical for the success. success founder of team the is who exactly? Yeah, so so typically it is two to three people. So typically the CEO and the CTO mm -hmm. or a chief product officer. Uh, and then sometimes also a business person, depending on what it is. But we're typically looking for founder teams. So two to three people. All right. And it is very interesting how to attract them uh, for venture building. So what we have learned is that people who have already done startups before, they know how complicated it is to build startups. They know how hard it is to raise money and they know how low the success rate are. So they are attracted by the venture building model where they can come in and have two big advantages. Number one, the venture is already funded upfront because we have the corporate involved. So yes, the CapEx going into the uh, venture, state skated but they don't need to waste half of their time being out there fundraising so that's attraction number one attraction number two is that they will have access to some unfair advantages by mm. leveraging some corporate assets and those assets are typically distribution so what they know when they go into a venture they are building together with a corporate is that they don't need to waste money on fundraising and they have a bigger chance of success because they have access to this uh, these assets and because of that then there is a higher probability of success and they already have a route to exit mm. because already from the beginning, we sign an agreement with the corporate where the corporate has to buy the venture back if it is successful. So for serial entrepreneurs, this is a very attractive model. For first-time entrepreneurs, not so much. If you're a first-time entrepreneur, you think, oh, for sure my startup will succeed and I want to have a maximum equity percentage. Uh, and, and you're still a little bit naive about it, just like I was when I started my first uh, mm. business. But for uh, serial entrepreneurs, it is typically a very interesting uh, value proposition. And, and that's interesting. And that's something that I've been facing as a struggle as well for some of the startups that we that we are trying to roll out. Now, the question is, where do you go and find those entrepreneurs? I mean, it's not like we're yeah. sitting or sur surrounded by founders around us, right? It's very, very true. So, so I'm not going to lie. Mm. Finding the right founders is always difficult. And it's in particular difficult to find a founder team, right? So 
a couple of things. First of all, you need to be super well connected in the ecosystem. And that's where we have built up our network over the last many, many years, right? Including when we have been running a startup bootcamp, for instance, here in the MENA region, which means that we now know thousands of, uh, of founders. So we can often go back to startups that have failed, mm. but where we then know that there are entrepreneurs who know how to do startups and then tap into that network. Secondly, we need to accept that it takes time. And it takes time, not least, to have basically the founders dating each other and finding out whether they really are excited about working together and working on this specific venture. So mm. it is difficult. It does take time, but we have proven again and again it can be done. No, absolutely. And it makes 100% sense. I mean, the more difficult the process is, the bigger chances for the ones who make it are that they are going to, to succeed. Um, for let's say fresh new venture builders out there who are trying to tap into this space um, and we all welcome you know healthy competition the bigger the space is the better for everyone what are the step one two three for them to follow at the very beginning just establishing the core principles of running a venture builder yeah, so if you're a new venture builder i think first and foremost you need to make sure that your core team really have entrepreneurial experience right mm. so if you are just in inverted comments, uh, some consultants or ex-corporates who wants to run in, uh, start a venture studio, I think it's going to be difficult. Not impossible, right? Uh, but difficult. So I would always encourage making sure that you actually have some people on your founding team of that venture building mm. who really know how to build startups and who have raised money before, who have taken startups from idea and all the way to exit. Because it's not something you can uh, learn by just reading about it. Right? I mean, it's just like uh, playing soccer. Sure. Right? It's not enough to sit at home and uh, watch the Champions League. You also need to be out there on the field and do all the hard work and actually trying by doing and seeing what works and what does not work. Interesting. So um, how could someone that is trying to follow what you were suggesting uh, could get it wrong? What are some of the warning signs that they should pay attention to? So a couple of things. So one would be uh, starting doing a venture they don't generally believe in deep down their heart, but mm. just because there is a corporate asking them to do it. So we have had a couple of cases with that. So, so some of the Fortune 500 companies came to us and uh, asked us to build a venture and they already had the money and we could earn a, a lot of money on that, but we said no. Uh, and we said no because we generally didn't believe in the concept. And we thought that our life was too short to waste our time on that. And I think that is really important for, for new people going into this space. Be honest with yourself, right? Don't start building a venture that you don't generally believe in because you need to have your heart and soul in it to be able to do it 24-7. Mm. So I think that is really a, a, a good starting point. That's very powerful, even if I'm thinking from my perspective now, that very resonates with, with where I'm at. So before we wrap up uh, and we jump into a quick uh, quiz game, um, if there was one thing that you could change, and for you, we're going to tweak the question because you're a global citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to ask you what would you change in the, in the region. If there was one thing that you can change in the world, what would that be? In the world? In the world. Wow. That's a big question. One thing I could change in the world. So if there's one thing I could change in the world, then it would be trying to tackle all the big problems of the world by using entrepreneurship. Mm. Oh, that's a big one. Do you think that um, we are not investing in entrepreneurship enough? 
I think entrepreneurship is definitely becoming much more popular and it is growing in importance. But I think actually if you look at the world's biggest problems, whether that is climate change or it is uh, hunger or it is a lack of water, whatever it is, I think there's too much time going into policies and big corporate thinking, etc. Whereas I actually think that coming in with an entrepreneurial mindset and toolbox is the way to solve almost all of the big problems. Just roll up our sleeves and get to work. Yes. And <laughs> ideally combining the best of the startup world with the corporate worldwide. Because again, I think our experience over uh, many, many years is that entrepreneurship is amazing for creating new stuff and getting things started. But it is really when you combine it then with the muscles and the unfair advances of the corporate that you can then really move to scale. Wonderful. Um, all right. We're going to play a quick um, quiz now, uh, a game. So I'm going to give you two options. You uh, can select only one. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Ready? Ants or elephants? Elephants. $10 million or bonus two years of life? Two years of life. $100,000 in marketing or $100,000 in relationships with clients? Relationship with clients. Turning back time or seeing the future? Seeing the future. One year on a deserted island or one year in deep jungles of Amazonia? The first one. <laughs> being invisible or being able to fly? Fly. Making a bridge or jumping across? Making a bridge. Long and steady or fast and furious? Fast and furious. Great advice or life-changing experience? Life-changing experience. The Change Officer podcast or the Joe Rogan experience? The first one. <laughs> Thank you for coming, Karsten. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, it was a, a true honor having you on the show. Before the show, during the show, and now after the show, I'm sure we're going to have some more cool discussions. Uh, for all of you, our uh, great listeners, thank you for staying until the end. I really do hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Um, if you want to uh, get in touch with Karsten, what would the best way to do be? Just uh, email me. Email you? CK at rainmaking.io wow this is a this is a great opportunity guys so make sure to use it um, and uh, stay tuned there is another great episode coming out next monday okay